Welcome to Hometown Horrors. I'm your creator and host, Leanne. I'm glad to be back. Um, it's been a while since any new material has been posted, and I apologize for that. I've had some, um, I have chronic illnesses, and I've had some bad flare-ups, and I've had to have a couple of surgeries, um, which kind of didn't do a lot for my mental and emotional health. In addition to everything that's going on in the world, I kind of got in a slump. So I really appreciate everyone that has continued to listen to the episodes that were already recorded um, and reading the blog posts that were already posted, um, the followers on social media. I really appreciate all of you. Um, I'm, I think I'm in a, a good place again. This is my favorite time of the year that's helped kind of raise my mood um, and help with my concentration and things like that. So I've got tons of research and tons of cases lined up that I'm wanting to look into. And I'm, I'm glad to be back. If you all have anything you want me to, to um, record or, or look into, if you have a missing person case, um, serial killer case, I try to cover it all. Um, you know, I've covered some mishandled cases. If you, you know, if you know of some cases out there that you don't think have been handled correctly, I can look into that. Anything, please just, you know, ask. You can contact me on social media, on Instagram. I'm, I'm hometown horrors on Twitter. I'm hometown horrors TN. You can email me at hometown horrors TN at Gmail with any questions any cases you want me to look into, anything like that, I would be glad to help out. Um, all, all the show notes, um, all the links and references and things like that for this episode will be uh, linked in the show notes. It will take you back to the blog. All that's, like I said, in the show notes. And um, if you would like to contribute to the podcast and help out with expenses or anything, you can do that through Patreon. There is a donate button on um, the show notes. There's a Venmo that will be a link in the show notes for that also. Um, or if you would just kind of uh, rate, go in and, and rate it. Um, I think you can do that on Apple podcast and, and Google. I'm not sure about the others, but I know you can rate and review on those. Uh, Spotify, you can do that. That would be greatly appreciated. If you would share with others, that would also be greatly appreciated. Um, so I think that's everything. Um, today, we are going to cover a unsolved case um, from the 90s that took place in Knoxville. So let's get started. This is the unsolved missing persons case of Blair Adams. This case is currently part of the cold case investigation unit and it's still an active case. So if anyone has any information, please contact the Knox County cold case investigation unit at 865-215-2243 or cold cases at knoxsheriff.org and all that information will be in the show notes also. Blair Adams, who was 31, 
and from Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. Um, on July 7th, 1996, Blair withdrew most of his money from his bank account, emptied his safe deposit box of all the cash, jewelry, gold, and platinum that he had. He then boarded a ferry and tried to enter the United States from Victoria, British Columbia to Seattle. Blair was flagged by immigration as a possible drug car uh, carrier because he was alone and he was carrying so much money and gold and, and platinum and jewelry and things like that. It was suspicious. After running a background check and finding convictions for drug and assault charges, he was denied entry. On July 9th, 1996, Blair was discovered by Canadian patrol agents trying to cross the border on foot at the Pacific Highway border crossing. Officials noticed he had scratches on his hands and legs. Blair also matched a description of a man implicated in a car theft. The vehicle had been discovered abandoned near the Pacific Highway border crossing. Blair denied any involvement, and he was eventually let go because of lack of evidence. On July 10, 1996, Blair rented a Nissan Altima at the Vancouver International Airport and eventually managed to enter the United States by car. After arriving in Seattle, he purchased a round-trip ticket to Frankfurt, Germany, at the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport. Blair had previously worked in Frankfurt on a project um, for his stepfather's construction company, and he also had dated a woman while he was there. However, Blair decided to cancel his flight to Germany at the last minute and traded his credit for a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C., Upon arriving, he rented a Toyota Camry at Dulles Airport around 6.45 a.m. Later that morning in Troy, Virginia, Blair backed his car into another car, causing minor damage. That's all I said about that. I don't know if there's a police report or what. Um, then Blair arrived in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the evening of July 10th, 1996. It takes about seven hours to drive from uh, Washington, D.C. to Knoxville. Um, the first reported sighting of Blair occurred at a gas station on Strawberry Plains Park in East Knoxville at 5.30 p.m. Blair told the gas station attendant that he was having trouble with his car key and was unable to get into his car. An interstate repair service driver was called. The repairman realized Blair was trying to use a Nissan Altima key from the car that he abandoned in Seattle for this current car that he was driving. The repairman told Blair it was the incorrect key and he needed to look for the correct key. He told Blair there should be two keys because two keys are always given. 
Blair was insistent that the key he had was the correct one. The repairman arranged for the car to be towed to a local repair shop, and he dropped Blair off at the Fairfield Inn. CCTV captured Blair arriving at the hotel and in the lobby. That video showed Blair enter and exit the lobby five times in 40 minutes. The clerk later told the show Unsolved Mysteries that it seemed like Blair was waiting on someone. Blair eventually purchased a $50 room with a $100 bill, um, U.S. currency. When the clerk tried to give him his change, he turned around and walked outside. The clerk said that he was acting very nervous. He was walking around in the lobby, kind of looking out the window, um, pacing back and forth, going in and out, like he was waiting on someone or um, he was just very anxious. It was later determined that Blair never went inside the room that he uh, purchased. On July the 11th, 1996, around 7.30 a.m., construction workers found Blair, Blair Adams' body in the parking lot of a, um, a hotel that was under construction about a mile away from his hotel. He was found with his pants off and his shirt open. His pants, shoes, and socks were found laying next to his body. Scattered all around him was German, Canadian, and U.S. currency, totaling close to $4,000. Also found near Blair's body was a black duffel bag that had maps, travel receipts, and a fanny pack with five ounces of gold bars, gold and platinum coins, jewelry, keys, including the correct key for the Camry that he was driving that he insisted he didn't have, and a pair of sunglasses. Blair had clearly, clearly been beaten. His hands were bloodied. One hand was cut deep and blackened like it had been force, forcefully hit on the pavement. Tufts of hair had been pulled out of his head, he had a deep wound to his forehead that police believe was from a crowbar or a club. Blair suffered a violent blow to his abdomen that caused a perforation. An autopsy at the University of Tennessee Medical Center determined cause of death was septic shock from abdominal perforation. Investigators believe he was sexually assaulted even though there was not any DNA evidence to support this. Police based this on Blair being found almost completely nude. The only physical DNA evidence found at the scene was one strand of long hair clutched in Blair's hand. A security guard at a nearby business told detectives he heard a scream around 3.30 a.m. and thought it was a woman's voice. At some point in the evening, Blair had dinner because his, his stomach contents consisted of lettuce, meat, and shrimp. 
According to the family and friends, Blair had a previous alcohol problem, but had been sober for two years. Toxicology reports supported this and showed no alcohol or drugs in his system. According to family, friends, and co-workers, Blair had been acting strange in the weeks leading up to his murder. His mother, Sandra Edwards, said he refused to tell her what was going on. He did tell her that he believed that someone was spreading rumors about him and trying to kill him. Before Blair left, he visited his mother and was upset and tearful about quitting his construction job. A week earlier, he had been excited and bragging about the same job. He was very anxious and didn't want to stay at his apartment. His mother also mentioned that Blair was at one time romantically involved with a male roommate. In an interview with the Knoxville News Sentinel, Sandra Edwards said that Blair had come to the had come to the South for the 1996 Summer Olympics. She never told this to the police, but talked about it in the interview. The games began 19 days after Blair's body was discovered. So it seems kind of odd that he would... I mean, you can stop in Knoxville on the way to Atlanta, or you can bypass it all together. But 19 days before, it just this seems odd. Sandra never said how she knew this was his plan. She said going to the Olympics was, quote, the whole point of the trip. Sandra also did not explain why she never mentioned this to the police. She only mentioned this to um, the interview or mentioned this in the interview. The reporter tried to do a follow-up call with her, and when they called her house, her husband answered the phone. He became angry and said, quote, Chances of solving this case were remote as hell, and we are not going to open that can of worms again, end quote. That seems odd. Blair told a friend he had to cross the border because someone wanted him dead. Blair had dated a woman the year before in Germany, and she described him as a gentleman. However, a man he worked with described him as abrasive and confrontational. It seemed like everybody had a different opinion of him. Maybe he acted different for everyone. Investigators have a theory that the killing was sexually motivated. Across the road from the construction site where Blair was found is a truck stop that was known to be a hotbed for sex workers. Investigators think he may have picked someone up at the truck stop and maybe having sex after having sex in a vehicle. There was a struggle and the killer might have hit Blair, um, thrown him onto the road and struck him while driving away. Um, but that's just one theory. No one really knows what happened. Over the years, several people have been brought in for questioning, but nothing has came out of any of that. 
Two women came forward and told told detectives they saw Blair with a man at Cracker Barrel restaurant, but he has never been identified. Um, If you go on the show notes and click on the link, there's a sketch of this man. Um, Here are my theories, kind of. I think Blair may have met someone um, had a sexual encounter with them that ended very badly, or he may have gotten into an argument with someone. Um, if he was gay, that could have pissed somebody off around here. Back then, it it was very it was not accepted to be gay. It's not well accepted now, but it was really bad back then around here um if you know some of the people hanging out that's not the best area either of town um maybe if somebody saw him with another man or something like that it just pissed them off and they attacked him um wouldn't be the first time that's happened around here unfortunately so that that could be a very good possibility um or they could have tricked him into a sexual encounter. And when they got him alone, killed him as a hate crime. Um, again, that's a big possibility around here. But um, what throws me off is there was no money missing. No gold, the platinum, all that was still there. So it doesn't seem like it was a robbery. Because everything was still there. Um, if it was a hate crime and that was what they were concentrating on, then they may have left all that behind. Um, but it, I definitely feel like it was not a robbery because everything was left behind. There was nothing missing and all no money or anything. A big theory that um, has been going around is that he was suffering some kind of break, some kind of mental illness break. Um the paranoia, you know, him telling his friends that he had to leave and cross the border into the U.S. because somebody was after him. Um, the way he was acting in the hotel, the not being able to find the key for the current car that he was driving, even though it was right there in the fanny pack. Um, if he was suffering from some kind of mental break, that would explain a lot. Um, he, you know, he changed his travel plan several times leading up to his death. If he was running from somebody that would, that would make a lot of sense. You know, he wouldn't want nobody trying to, to track him or anything. Um, he could have been hallucinating that he was being followed all the way to Knoxville and how he picked Knoxville from Canada. I'm not sure how you even get there. He knew no one here. Um, the theory about the Olympics, I don't really buy because it was 19 days away. So I don't understand why he would even want to be here or going through here and staying, you know, go on to Atlanta for 19 days leading up to um, the Olympics. He did have a, a lot of money on him, which kind of sounded like he had no plans of going back. Um, 
if he had a mental break, I'm not real sure how he got to being murdered by someone. Um, unless he was, it was the person that was, you know, there was somebody after him. Um, the mental break part, I'm, I'm not sure unless he was paranoid and started yelling at somebody and fighting with someone that he thought was following him and they defended themselves, or they were pissed off and they, they hit him and perforated his stomach. I'm, I'm not sure. There's another theory that he was a drug courier. Um, he did have a lot of money on him, different forms of money. There were no drugs found. There were none in his system. There were none found in the car, his luggage, fanny pack, any of that stuff. Um, but if he had been one in the past, maybe, um, that would explain somebody following him or whatever. But I don't really get behind this one because there were no drugs found and every bit of money was left. If it was somebody looking for drugs, they would have took the money if they couldn't find the drugs. Um, I, I really just think that Blair met up with somebody that was violent and he didn't realize it. Um, either somebody befriended him and that's what happened or he hooked up with them for sex and it went really really bad um but that would explain why the money was still left there you know again people um selling drugs would not have left that money behind if he if it was a mental break it wouldn't explain the type of energy in uh, injury because he couldn't have done that to himself I really think he just came across someone whose intention was to hurt him. Whether it was because they suspected he was gay or they were just mean and they were looking to hurt somebody that night. Um, they, I don't know if they've, if they've tried to test that strand of hair for DNA again recently. I can't find any updates. Um, I checked it about a week ago and it didn't say anything about they had rerun the DNA. I don't even know if there's enough to run it, um, cause it just said a strand of hair, but it is part of the cold case unit. And I, I really wish they could maybe have somebody with new eyes come in and look at it and solve this because this is, this has been open for, well, since 1996. Um, I also couldn't find anything about like if his mom is still alive or, or anything like that, but I just, I feel bad because I feel like something happened to him. Um, and it, it shouldn't have, he just come across somebody that wasn't nice and meant him harm. And he died a terrible death in a town that I don't even know how he he would have found Knoxville a little town when you're from Canada I just it it's a weird place to pick you know you would think Nashville or Memphis because they're 
they're big and people know a lot about them. Um, not a lot of people know about Knoxville, especially back then. It's, it's getting more popular and stuff now, but back then it wasn't someplace I would expect somebody from Canada to be like, oh, hey, I'm going to stop off in Knoxville before I go 19 days before the Olympics start. That just didn't make any sense. Um, I feel like maybe his family might know more than they were saying because they gave that one interview and that was it. And the stepdad said what he said when they were, when they called and didn't want to talk about it anymore. So there's a lot of little strange things going on with this. Um, I just really wish somebody would figure out what happened to him so he could rest peacefully. So all my sources are linked in the show notes. The information to the Knoxville cold case squad is in there. If anybody has any information, um, you can contact them. And I think that's it for today. I will have a new blog and a new podcast episode for you all next week. And I'm really glad to be back. And I hope you listen and I hope you all have a wonderful and safe day. Um, Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.